Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving break and were able to spend it with some family. I know it was kind of a weird Thanksgiving with all the rules and regulations, but I hope that you got the chance to be thankful for your family and friends and got to share a great meal together. I'm glad you're here. I want to say hello to everybody at the West End campus. Welcome. I'm glad that you're at West End. If you're visiting there, be sure to go by and see somebody with a lanyard. McKaylee is there. She'd love to help you or anybody else. Uh, Keaton, they'd love to share with you what's going on at West End. And everybody here at the Missouri City campus, I'm glad that you're here. Nathan's here. So go by and say hi to Nathan. We're a relational church, and we want to make sure that you get connected for sure. I always say hi to my mom. Mama bought a new jacket. <laughs> So great. Anyway, so I hope you're feeling great, Mom, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. I'm sorry we couldn't be together this Thanksgiving. Well, we're in this series uh, called Don't Lose Heart. It's uh, really a letter from the Apostle Paul to uh, the Corinthian church, to the church in Corinth. And um, Paul's really addressing this idea that uh, happens to all of us, and that is we get discouraged and we lose heart. And a lot of times there are so many difficult things in our lives that cause us to lose heart and we begin to process those things. And the thing that Paul does today, and I think you're going to be really encouraged by this, is that he tries to realign our perspective. You know, oftentimes for me, I'll just speak for me, oftentimes for me it's not really the hardship or the difficulty that I'm going through that gets me down. It's how I see it or what I think it means, right? So I see something, I experience a difficulty, and then I interpret it, and that interpretation of that perspective sort of gets me down. I suffer from depression from time to time, so that depression hits hard when I don't see things correctly. So Paul is trying to address this idea of losing heart. You'll see that very specific today. And he's trying to give us as followers of Christ a right perspective. Now, before I get into it, I know not everybody here or at West End or watching online is a follower of Christ. I'm just glad you're tuning in. But I hope today will help you kind of have an understanding for sure. Oh, I forgot to mention this. We're opening the Richmond campus soon. I'm very excited about that. And I just want to say, if you're watching and you're ready to come back, we're ready for you. But I know many people are not ready to come back. And I just want to let you know that when you're ready, we'll be ready. Take your time. But keep tuning in, inviting people, and making sure you stay connected. All right, let's get to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 we're in now. Here's what Paul says. This is sort of the, the whole basis of what we're talking about. Is everybody thankful today? It feels like nobody's listening to me yet. All right, here we go. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge. I think that's misspelled right there. The knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Let me read that again. I totally messed it up. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So this is the premise. That he's contrasting this idea of light and darkness, of difficulty and good times. He's, he's transitioning this idea of God's holiness and our earthly, sort of earthly value and what's going on here. And he's setting the stage 
for being encouraged and not losing heart. And he talks about God's glory. Put that verse back up, okay? It says this. He's talking about, here's the main idea in this verse. God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That somehow the glory of Christ, this idea of God's holiness and God's goodness and God's love and God's reality and this relationship with God is supposed to encourage us. And now he turns the corner. In the next verse, he says this. But we, there's this idea of God's glory and the light of Christ and all the good things that are happening, but, he goes, the transition, but we have this treasure, you know what he's talking about, right? God's glory, God's goodness, the gospel, the redemption story, all that. That treasure, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Now, this is really important. Because if you don't understand this and you don't get this, then you're going to misunderstand what God's really trying to do in our life. Because the reality is, and Paul brings it out here, the reality is life is difficult and life is difficult for so many people. In fact, life is difficult for everybody. There's not one person watching this today. There's not one person here at the church or at West End that's had an easy life. We all have difficulties. And as a follower of Christ in the first century, Paul's addressing the idea that even being a follower of Christ presents, in a world that's dark, presents this extraordinary difficulty in our life. And he lists some of those. I guess we'll come back to that. And he's contrasting the glory of God and this light that shines forth, and he calls it a treasure. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And he wants to firmly shape our understanding of how life works in light of the redemptive power of Christ. And here's the way it works. There's this idea that God is supposed to serve our needs and make our life more comfortable, that he's supposed to make us healthy and wealthy and prosperous, and we're supposed to have all the things that we want in life, and God is our heavenly slot machine, and if we can just say our prayers right and be good, that we'll get the jackpot. And that nowhere, that idea is nowhere given to us in the Scripture. Nowhere does God tell us that. In fact, Paul tells us the opposite. He says, listen, we're just earthen vessels that hold this incredible treasure. That's what we are. We're earthen vessels. We're clay pots. You couldn't get, um, I don't know if you recognize this or not, but in the first century, there was no container store. So container store is like one of my favorite stores because you go in there and there is a container for everything. I love their closet systems. Now I'm just revealing too much about myself, but I love their closet systems. I mean, I could spend really 45, 50 minutes in a container store, but they didn't have that. And so in the first century, what they had to have is they had to have containers to 
carry things in. And so the cheapest thing they could provide was a clay pot. They could make clay pots, and if it got broken or damaged, they could get another one. It was really a disposable thing. And those clay pots were so important because they held water, for example, and kept it from evaporating, and they kept it cool, and it kept it clean. And so the clay pots were important, but not very valuable. What was valuable about a clay pot was what was inside of it. So that's the ideal with us, that our life is in such a way that it's, our life isn't the main point, it's what's inside. And so the reality is this, that here's the gospel story, for example. The gospel story is each one of us have to come to a place in our life where we recognize that we need forgiveness, that we are sinners and we are broken and we have this nature of sin. And there is a condemnation that we're already walking in, that, that God doesn't send us to hell, that we're walking in condemnation because God is just and he is holy and he can't ignore our sin. But the good news or the gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave a redeemer, he gave his son, that knowing that you and I could never be good enough to earn our way to heaven, God said, I'm going to satisfy my sense of need for justice, my, my nature of justice, and I'm going to pay the price for your transgressions and mine. All of them, past, present, and future. And Jesus Christ, who had knew no sin, became sin on our behalf. And when you come to a place in your life where you understand, where you're convicted that you need forgiveness and you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that he paid the penalty for your sins, not the sins of the world, but your sins, and he was buried and he rose again, this is the treasure. It's the treasure of mercy. It's the treasure of grace. It's the treasure of unconditional love. It's the treasure of acceptance. It's, it's the treasure of the fact that God the Father made a way when there was no way, that you couldn't make a way. Now, the hardest part about receiving this treasure or having this treasure is coming to grips with your need for it. You've got to come to a place where you understand you need forgiveness. So treasure and power of God is the redemptive story, and that is the thing that's supposed to make a difference in how we live our life today. The good news that Paul's talking about here is that we can't be good enough, so God's provided for us Away. It takes humility to do this. Jesus paid the price. This is good news. And you've got to come to grips with this idea that you are in need of a redeemer and a savior. So the treasure is grace and forgiveness. Now I'm getting to a point, so hang with me here, okay? So what I want you to see, and this is so different than the culture we live in, is that the treasure is not you. Now, you are treasured by God. God so loved the world. But you are not the main point. You're just a vessel. I'm just a vessel. I hope this doesn't hurt your self-esteem. 
Because I know you grew up in a home or you lived in a world that you got trophies for everything and you're the greatest and you're the best and you're the most amazing and you're incredible and it's you, 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 you. And somehow, even when we become a Christian, I'm rambling now, but even when we become a Christian, what we think is that God is serving us and we understand, no, we're just earthen broken pots of clay that contain something amazing. The contrast is when something amazing happens in our life, we understand that we're just an earthen vessel we're not really the treasure. So something valued is housed in your life when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now listen, it's not a very good sales pitch that Paul's given here. Now remember, God's plan, this is such a bad sermon already, listen, God's plan, I don't even know how to tell you this. This took me a long time to come to grips with. God's plan, I'll say it this way, I'll soften it. God's major plan or main plan for your life is not for your comfort. He's not, his main idea for you and the purpose that he has for your life isn't for you to have a comfortable life. He wants you to have a meaningful life. But that doesn't mean it's void of suffering or difficulty. I mean, look what Paul said. Paul says, I'm perplexed. I'm confused. I'm hard pressed. I'm, I'm, I mean, eventually Paul was imprisoned. He was beaten. He, he lost his job. He lost his status. He lost his wealth. He eventually lost his life for what he believed. And yet in the midst of this, he is saying we have this incredible treasure. I love it when he goes on to say this. He says, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken since we have that same spirit of faith. We also believe that therefore we, therefore we speak. We speak of this treasure. And it goes on to says, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit. This is for your benefit. Have this perspective so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, purpose, the grace that's reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving, what a perfect thanksgiving weekend service, may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Now, I know it doesn't work out this way, but listen, here's how it's supposed to work. That this idea of who God is and his glory and his holiness and his goodness is supposed to make such a relevant impact in your psyche and in your perspective in life that the momentary suffering and the difficulty, as hard as it may be, pales in comparison to what you got in God's unconditional love and mercy. It doesn't work out that way, is it? Because just the idea of who God is in our life isn't oftentimes enough. We want God to act and to work. And we should ask the Father to help his children. And the Father who knows how to give good gifts to his children comes to our rescue time and time again. But in no way should you ever read this to believe that God's going to prevent you from suffering or keep you from hardship or difficulty. In fact, as a follower of Christ, it may get more difficult. And what Paul is saying here is that we have a bigger story than the temporary story that we're living in. That this idea of God being eternal, that God being forever is supposed to impact in the life that we're living here 
on this earth. This eternal story is the perspective that keeps you from losing heart. It's important that you understand it. If you're living for just the here and the now, you will be so discouraged in this life because this world is broke and it is going to let you down. It's such a different idea than God's supposed to bring me all the things in my life that I want or that make me feel comfortable. There's this redemptive message that gives your life eternal meaning and purpose. And that one day we will pass from this life that's broken to a world that has never been broken that's perfect. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. And we get to live out our days in this life with meaning and purpose. Did you hear what Paul said? So that many more, many, many people would come to understand the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Now, you may not be signing up for this. Let's just be honest. I mean, we kind of whittle down our needs to real simple ideas that we just want a good job and a good family and a, our children to obey and we want some money in the bank and we'd like to keep our health. And if God can just do that, my life will be great. But it wouldn't be. We need so much more. The way God's designed each and every one of us is that we want our life to count forever. We want there to be a mark because we existed. And the way that mark is done is because you're just a clay pot and you have a real realistic understanding of who you are and where you are. I mean, you've been around, listen, you've been around people that think too highly of themselves. They're usually name droppers. You ever been around a name dropper? So aggravating. I've been a name dropper. You know, I get insecure and I start... You know, like I met Elvis. I never met Elvis. But, you know, but I did one time, if we're going to name drop, let me tell you this. One time I got into an elevator in Dallas, Texas with Donny Osmond. Do y'all even know who Donny Osmond is? Well, back in the 80s, that was a big deal. Donny Osmond. Okay. All right. I digress. But the ideal here is that we get so insecure that we try to build ourselves up. And all these self-help books that we read talks about you're the best and you're amazing and you're incredible. And what Paul's suggesting here is completely opposite. He's saying you don't need to feel bad about yourself. This isn't about poor self-esteem. This isn't about discounting all that God's given you as gifts. But you're not the main idea here. That God is the main idea here. And you don't need to be all that because God is all that. And all you are is defined by God. Take this up with him if you're offended. Is you're a clay pot. But you house this incredible treasure in your life. I love the way he kind of finishes this area. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart because there's an eternal story. And even though I'm suffering, even though my kids aren't obeying, and even though my marriage is in trouble, or even though I've experienced this loss, and even though, and listen, I know I'm not discounting your loss. Some of you have experienced an unbelievable, unfathomable loss. And I'm not discounting that. You should mourn that and process that and grieve that. That's real. 
But Paul's saying, therefore, we do not lose heart, though, because there's a bigger story. There, there is something going on that's eternal that makes my life count in other people's lives, though outwardly our clay pot is wasting away. If you notice that as you get older, you don't typically get better. You know, you get more experience, but your body falls apart. I pulled my hamstring getting out of bed the other day. I mean, just, it wasn't a bad pull, but it's like, ah, this is it. That's kind of what he's talking about. Your, your clay pot is wasting away. Your body's wasting away. The world's wasting away. Yet, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Are you kidding me, Paul? Light and momentary troubles are achieving for us this eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we, this is a great line, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So let's say this line out loud together, this first one, I want everybody to say it, West End, Missouri City, even you at home, online, we're just going to say uh, right here, uh, right here to this part here, right here. Ready to go. Out loud. Here we go. Ready? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. This is what Paul's talking about. When we fix our perspective on the temporary troubles and the problems that we have, and this is all we're living for is this suffering or this this disappointment or this difficulty that we have, we lose heart so bad. But he said, we don't lose heart because we're going to fix our eyes and our perspective on God's glory, on his goodness, on his provision, the fact that he loves us and he's going to take care of us, even though this is very, very difficult and hard. And we're not going to live our life on what is seen, but what on what is unseen. This is where faith kicks in. This is where if you have religion, this will let you down. This won't be enough for you. Religion is the idea that if you keep all the rules, God's going to come through for you. You leverage God by your good works. But relationship, unconditional love says, though he slay me, Job says, I'll still love him. I'll still follow him. It's the idea of a high, I'm going to fix my eyes on what is unseen. I'm not going to live for the temporary, even though it could be 60, 70, 80, 90 years. My life is going to make a difference in other people's lives because what's going to happen here, and this is kind of what he's alluding to here, what's going to happen here is that I'm going to allow, because of my humility and my realistic view of myself, I'm going to let this treasure of God's glory kind of filter out of my life as I live and other people who are desperately needing hope and to know that their creator loves them is going to find the grace of God through Jesus Christ because I lived, because I served, because I gave my life away. And they're going to accept Christ as their savior because I showed up. And, and, and that somehow is going to make this suffering, this difficulty worth it because all eternity is changing because of what God's doing through me. The gospel is the treasure. 
The, the treasure is housed in this fragile container called your life and mine. And the hope that we have isn't found in this world and everything working out the way it's supposed to work out. Our hope is firmly planted in Jesus Christ who loves us. So what are you living for? Are you just hoping? And I know, listen, again, please uh, don't think I'm being totally insensitive about this. I know what you're going through is tough. I've lived a little myself. And I've had some very difficult days. So I'm not taking that away from you. I'm just saying that should drive you to a loving Savior who will heal your heart and your life. So don't let the circumstances that you find yourself in, this pandemic, the loss of a job, loss of our health, loss of our security and our sense of surety, don't let that cause you to lose heart. But fix your eyes on what is unseen, what is true. The the truth that we don't see is supposed to be more compelling than the truth that we do see. Does that make sense? So strengthen your faith. Just come to grips with the idea that is your faith too circumstantially controlled? That when things are going good, I'm thankful and grateful. But when things are going bad, I'm wondering, where is God? This doesn't make sense. How could a loving God do this? And when we say those things, and I've said them all too, and I'm likely to say them again, we've missed the, the idea of what God's really doing, that we are living in a broken world, and we're broken pots holding an unbelievably eternal treasure. Life came with Jesus Christ. God came to give us hope beyond this world. And you're going to have good days and bad, but I pray that your faith would grow, that you'd have a realistic view of yourself, an earthen vessel or a clay pot, and you'd have this unbelievable growing value and who God is. And that will give you courage and encouragement, and you won't lose heart. So if you've lost heart today, turn your eyes upon Christ. If you've lost heart today, ask God to change your circumstances. And in the meantime, trust in Him. And somehow in this is what I believe. I'm not a total practitioner of this, but I'm trying. Your struggles become less painful or less prominent in your life when God's, the reality of who God is is more prominent in your life. And all of a sudden, I don't know how this works, but all of a sudden, it's going to be okay. And you say, hey, it's going to be okay. And people around you are going to see the glory of God in you. Boy, I hope we can figure that out. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you're honest with us about the world we live in that's broken and doesn't work correctly, and our lives are broken. And I know when you say that we're just clay pots, that you don't take away the value of your creation, that we're made in your image and you love us completely. But the reality is, God, we're just a holding place for the glory that is you. And I pray for everyone suffering today that you somehow would give them a perspective that would give them the ability to endure. 
that you would give them hope and encouragement that this period, this season, this difficulty isn't the total story, that there's an eternal story. And for those that are here listening to me or at West End or Missouri City here that do not know you, I pray that this would be the day, as you're praying right now, this would be the day that you come to believe in Jesus Christ. That you would say, God, forgive me. Today I believe that Jesus died for me and was buried and rose again. And I want to follow you. I want my life to count. That prayer is the beginning of something amazing, something eternal. So, Father, may we be a church that shows up for the hurting, helps the marginalized, encourages those that need it, and we would shine forth the glory that is you. Use us in this way, in Jesus' name, amen.